0: Hey, my name is Travis. I'm always honored when Pastor Brandon allows me his platform and the privilege to get to preach to you guys today. It's truly an honor. Today Today's a special day. I do want to welcome all of you. Welcome all of our guests. Come on, make some noise, y'all. And I want to thank everybody who puts this thing on each and every week, too. I'd love to thank our team members and everybody who makes this possible. But today's a special day. Today's Palm Sunday. Um, and you heard that from, from Pastor Chris right you up here. So imagine almost 2,000 years ago, literally to the day, um, Jesus is arriving in a Jerusalem. It's festival time. And lo and behold, when he gets there, um, he realizes he's actually the center of attention, right? Uh, people are putting down palm branches and they're saying, Hosanna. They're believing Jesus to arrive uh, as king and liberate people. And y'all, we know he does liberate people from our past and he liberates our future. But sometimes he does that in a little bit upside down different ways. So we're actually going to read a story today um, that takes place during that week because we're entering in Passion Week and Holy Week right now. So today's story takes place right before that. But it wouldn't be a spoiler alert to tell you that next Sunday is Easter Sunday right here at Radiate Church. Show those beautiful times. Y'all, we have times in Florence. We have experienced times here. So I want to tell you today's message is all about inviting our friends and family to those times on that screen. So we're going to read a story today out of John chapter 11, where Jesus essentially foreshadows what he's going to do on Easter. He's going to physically resurrect somebody. He's going to resurrect somebody he calls a friend. He's going to resurrect somebody named Lazarus. And you're like, okay, that all makes a lot of sense. I'm kind of, you know, I'm following you here. Um, tell me a little bit more about what that has to do with me. What, here's how it has to do with you is you know people who you are going to invite next Sunday. And much like Lazarus, figuratively, they're probably dead, right? They're at a point in their life, they don't have joy. They're missing that missing piece like I talked about with somebody in the 830. they like, man, I am just feel like I'm missing this big hunk of something in my life. And you know somebody just like that you're going to invite. So the story we're going to read today is how God wants to partner with people to bring heaven to earth, right? He's going to partner with people and we're going to read in this story that he can take things that are formerly dead and he can make them fully alive in himself. And if you're ready to get after it, give me two claps on two, one, two. Let's rock and roll. So we are in John chapter 11 today and I want to read you verses 38 through 44 and then we're going to read a little bit from John 12 towards the end today. So, so Jesus began being deeply moved from within. He came to the tomb. Now, it was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they removed the stone, and Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you. That you've heard me, but I know that you always hear me. Nevertheless, because of the people standing around, I said it so they may believe that you sent me. And when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Out came the man who had died, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around him with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Let him go. Today, we're going to make four statements as one big family in here. Four we statements as we look at the story of Lazarus, right? So, um, Lazarus was a close personal friend to Jesus. Lazarus physically passed away. Jesus was told about this. He waited some time, and he arrived at the place that Lazarus had been buried because he wanted to prove that he has power over the grave. He's foreshadowing in someone else's life what he's going to do in his own. So we're going to make four we statements together. Say we. Say we. Ah, I got you. Say we, we. <laughs> First statement, we take action. We take action. Can I tell you that you are saved to serve? You are saved to serve. Matter of fact, you are sent to serve. Jesus is getting ready to perform the greatest miracle he has ever performed. He is going to physically raise somebody from the dead. But before he can do what only he can do, he asks someone to do only what they can do. Jesus said, remove the stone. See, when God wants to do something on the earth, his full intention is to partner with me and you. It's to use his people to do his act on The earth. Think about this. When Jesus is getting ready to go to heaven, and and one of the last things he tells his disciples, the people who love him and know him most, he tells them what? Go. Go and make disciples. You are saved to be sent, and you are sent to serve. And see, I don't know, I don't know if you're anything like me. Well, how about this? Think about it this way. Say, for instance, um, say for instance, you were in that cave, right? If you were in that cave, And that was you, and I was on the other side of it. And we had a finite amount of time to get you out of that thing so Jesus could work in your life. Would you want me spending that time talking to you about how you got in that cave? Or would you want me to spend that time helping remove the obstacle so Jesus can set you free? Right, and that's when we get in trouble sometimes, don't we? We want to talk people to death sometimes. We want to talk to, to them about what got them in the position they're in. Jesus didn't care about why Lazarus was in that tomb. He had already ended a physical life. Jesus said, for me to do something in somebody's life, I need someone, someone to remove the obstacle that gets in the way between me and them. And y'all, that should ring a bell for the people that you're thinking about bringing to Easter, the people who might be far from God in your life, right? It is your job to help remove that stone that's placed in front of them. It's, physic, it's our job to be physically involved, helping our friends and family grow closer to Jesus. I want to show you what Paul says in Romans uh, in just a couple short verses, chapter 10, verses 14 through 15. You don't have to go there, just follow me on screen. But before people can ask the Lord for help, they must believe in him. Before they believe in him, they must hear about him. For them to hear about the Lord, someone must tell them, And before someone can go to tell them, that person must be sent. It is written, how beautiful is the one who comes to bring good news. Let me see them teeth. Mama paid a lot of money for them teeth. Let me see them. I have some beautiful looking people getting sent for some people in this room today. When God wants to do something on the earth, he wants to do it through his people and he's sending you. See, I need you to understand of all your friends and family, of the people that you love most, God's plan for them just may go through you. It may be your invite. It may be the devotion you lead. It may be the faith conversation you have. And I know it's easy to sit in here and think about the, the, like, the death toll of things that you've done over your lifetime. ago. I don't know if I'm the right person to help unlock something for someone else, but can I tell you something that you're sent? Jesus died fully knowing that you are going to be the exact person that you are today, and he still wants to work and send you. Do you know your Bible says that in the Lord's house and all the people that believe in Jesus, that there are, um, there are gold and silver things, and there are wood and clay things. There are things for a noble use, and there are things for an ordinary use, and it never tells you which is which. And I don't know about you, but I'm just an ordinary piece of clay from Calhoun County, South Carolina, but I just believe that if I let God work through me, I can do more with him working in me than I ever could have done myself. Y'all, I wanted to be a salesman so bad. That was what I wanted to do growing up. Like, no doubt about it, I want to be a sales dude, like Don Draper or something like that, right? I want to be a sales guy, and I never forget, like, applying for my first sales job, and um, they told me, uh, the, the guy who owned the company there, he told me, he, he told me that I wouldn't really ever be good talking in front, of people. By lunch today, 1,000 people will have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ in Florence on a tablet on that screen here. Don't tell me God can't use anybody. Don't tell me he can't take wood and clay things and use anybody to accomplish anything on this earth. Can I tell you the best part about partnering with God and allowing him to use you is that you are only responsible for the work. You are not responsible for the outcome. Pastor Brandon said last week, if you want to know what God's will for you is in your life, it is to do God's work here on the earth. I can prove you that. Do you know, don't turn there. Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 and 37. Jesus is looking at all these people. He said, man, he said, the harvest is ripe. The harvest is ripe, but the workers in the field are few we need to pray to the lord of the harvest that he will send more workers can i tell you if you're in this room if you're in florence if you're watching on a device right now you are the few you're the few he's talking about it is our job to do the work to build the church that jesus died for you can't save anyone you can't i can't you can't we can preach good messages we can't do any of that you can Hold the door for them. You can hug them. You can hold their baby and our kids, but we can't save anybody. But what we can do is move stones out the way so people can encounter Jesus, perhaps for the first time in their lives this coming Sunday. We will take action as a family together. The second we statement is we will ask in faith. We ask in faith. Verses 39 and 40. It says, Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the sea, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Y'all, Martha gets a, Martha gets a hard time. I kind of like Martha. She, I, kinda, I can kind of relate. She's kind of pragmatic, you know. There's a scene before this. Jesus is coming over, and he's doing some teaching in the house. And she's trying to get it clean. She's trying to get it clean, right? That, that, where are where my, where my people at? Where are my neat freaks at, right? Yeah, I can't have somebody come to my house and not clean up a little bit. She's cleaning up, and she gets a hard time for it. She's like, hey, Jesus, will you tell everybody else in here to help me get this place tidied up? And he says, no, 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 you're concentrating on the wrong thing, right? She gets a, she gets a rap, bad rap. She's a little pragmatic, but I do love Martha. But I want to show you what she said right here. Martha said, he said, Lord, by this time, there will be a stench for he has been dead four days. See, that number four matters too. See, uh, in Jewish culture, in the burial process, the day three mark kind of is the capstone of somebody's life. And that's where, you know, they're going to begin some different preparations for somebody's body. And so what she's saying is, no, Lazarus is dead, Lord. He, it's kind of messy in there. And can I tell you what Jesus said? He said, Martha, where you see a mess, I see a miracle. You can clap. Come on, let's clap. This ain't Kershaw County Library. Clap in here. Shout out to the library system. But we do that to the people we know too, right? Hey, you know what? I love to invite them to church. I don't know what they're going to look like, what they smell like, what they're going to say whenever they get here. Hey, I want to invite somebody to church, and Lord, I do need to be more active in this person's faith journey and their faith life, but we got a shared past. I don't know if they'd ever believe me. And I don't know what you've ever told yourself, but you're absolutely enough. And Jesus needs you to help remove that stone away with them and believe in faith. And you know why we can believe in faith? This is the beautiful thing. We can ask in faith that God will move in the lives of the people we know because he knows them and loves them better than we do. See, you know the shortest verse of your Bible because of this story we just read, Jesus wept. Jesus knew Lazarus. He called Lazarus friend, just the same way he calls us friend. Matter of fact, he was even moved by the people that were mourning Lazarus. Because he's near the brokenhearted. And see, I know there's a lot of people in the room today. There's just a lot of people in a room in Florence right now. You've been praying for somebody for a really long time. You have. You've been praying for a long time. You've been believing for a long time. And Jesus does not want you to give up on that. And I'll tell you why. Because there are people in our life that we have put a period in their life where God wants to add a comma. He has so much more planned, and he knows us by name. And in this situation, he even calls Lazarus by name. I don't know about y'all, but, man, I, I feel it in church every once in a while. You ever hear that sermon? You're like, oh, man, there were hundreds of people here, but that was for me today. Jesus has the ability to call you by name. I want to tell you something very special about this story that we're reading today and about the fact that Jesus knows the situation of those that we love more than we do. This is really cool. I thought this was just the power of the Lord and how he works. Um, had Jesus not had called Lazarus by his name, every dead person in proximity would have resurrected. Jesus called one person by name for what he can do for many. And I don't know about you, but there's people in my life that I do know by name. I want them to come and experience something that I want everybody to experience and what everybody is experiencing. Jesus loves the people in our life and cares for them more than we do. We can truly trust him with their eternity. But the question is, can we even ask in faith? Like, do we even have that amount of faith to even ask? Because I want to let you know, your faith journey and what you're believing for for the people in your life could be directly correlated to what they'll experience. I want to show you how. Mark chapter 2, verse 5. So Jesus is teaching in a house, and his teachings garnered so much attention that, like, everybody in the street is like an earshot, and they're listening, and there's so many people gathered, um, and Jesus has performed miracles at this point, so he's got a little bit of a, of a rep that, um, that he's able to do that, so he's garnered the attention of a bunch of friends who have somebody who's a friend of theirs who's a paralytic. I want to read you verse 5, and Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Y'all, they could not get into the house, so they busted open the roof like the Kool-Aid man lowered their friend down, and that's what Jesus said. Seeing, whose faith? Their faith. Seeing their faith. Said, "Sons, son, your sins are forgiven. And I don't know about you, but sometimes in my life, I need some friends like that. And there's some people in your life, man, they're counting on you next week to bring them to church. I just need you to know that. They are counting on you. Because they need some friends like that in their life. Somebody who's willing to carry their mat, help them carry their mess, get them to Jesus and let him do what only he can do. So I got a couple rhetorical questions for you. So if it came down to your friends and family being healed from something they can or can't see, and it was solely because of your faith, would it ever happen? Would your friends and family experience a miracle because of how much you believe? would you keep asking even if they don't see that breakthrough? Will we ask in faith? Yes, we'll ask in faith. And Jesus said why we can ask in faith. Did not say that if you believe, you will see God move. We will take action and we will ask in faith. The third we statement we're going to make as a team today is we do life together. That's no secret here. That's one of our Our core values is we do life together. We walk out life with them. I want to read you verse 44. Out came the man who died, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Unbind him and let him go. There's something very special about God. It's that he... When we make a decision for him, he saves us for all of eternity in a moment. But he gives us an entire lifetime to love him back. It's something only he can do, and it's something that makes our worldview different than every worldview uh, on the planet. Is that God does something instantly, but he gives us a lifetime to return that right back to him. And I want to tell you something. It is our job to do life with the people that God's put in our radius, y'all. It is our job to walk out life with them over an entire lifetime. I know that we've experienced a, a, a health and a global pandemic over the last few years, but um, I believe that w- the one thing that the, the world doesn't know about that maybe the church does is there's actually a spiritual e- epidemic that's going on as well. Barner Research says in a recent poll This is staggering, and this is unacceptable. That 60% of people who love Jesus believe their faith life should remain private. Six out of 10 people who Jesus has given life to in this lifetime and an eternal lifetime to come thinks that their faith life should be private. 60% of the people. Did Jesus not say, go and make disciples everywhere and I'll be with you until the end of time? That's why it's important we build relationships with people. That's why we walk out life with people. It's just not an invite, y'all. If I made us a reservation for lunch after church today, you'd, you'd thank me for that, right? How much more would you thank me if I paid for it? It's not just good enough to make the reservation, did you know when it comes to Easter, in church in general, let me back up. When it comes to church in general, six out of the ten people you know would come to church if you invited them. That number dramatically increases on something like Easter, Christmas, or the day that you get baptized. Right? Y'all, it is our job to be in the life of the people we love and we want to bring to Jesus. It's our job to work within our radius. I want to show you 1 Thessalonians verse. Uh, verse eight in chapter two. We don't have live, laugh, love on the wall at my house, but if we had something, it would read something like this right here. Having so fond and affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, which we could have put a period there, God put a comma, but also our own lives because you had become very dear to us. Paul said, not only was it some of my greatest life work to share the gospel with you, right? And we would all agree, that's probably one of the greatest things we could do for the people we love that might be far from God is to introduce them to Jesus. Paul said, not only was the greatest thing I ever could have done was to preach the gospel to you, but it was to share my life as well. Y'all, we are called to the people in our life. We are called to do life with them. We just don't do life together as one family here. But we do life with people who are not yet a part of our family as well. That's how they're going to learn to love Jesus. And in the church world, we have a word called disciple, right? That's what we would call whenever we, like, help somebody get a little further on the faith journey than where they started, that we're discipling them. Can I tell you in your Bible the word disciple means to instruct? So literally what we're saying is I'm helping somebody become a learner of Jesus. And how do you do that? Man, just start by having conversations with people. Just have conversations with them. Learn about them. Actually listen for once. Can I tell you the same researching company that provided the data that I just told you? They polled a bunch of people who don't believe in Jesus, and they said, hey, if somebody who believed in Jesus ever had a conversation with you, how would you want it to go? And over half of them said, I don't want to be judged, and I don't want a conclusion forced on me. This is not fake. These are real numbers. These are real people who gave real data. So for the people in our lives, man, they just want to know somebody's walking with them, y'all. People need a hug, man. It's been a while, two years. People need a hug. People need a friend. Some people need a cheerleader. Some people just need somebody in their life saying, you know what? You're the best. Even when you don't think you are, you're the best. You got it. You got everything in you is enough. Disciple means learner, y'all. All we're called to do It's just walk out this journey with them, helping people grow closer and closer to Jesus. So it so it doesn't stop at Easter when we get our friends, our families, our coworker, our boss, our cousins, our neighbors to church. That's when it starts. We're gonna spend our entire lifetime helping them grow closer to Jesus. We're gonna take action, we're gonna ask in faith, we're gonna walk out life with the people that we're inviting. And the last thing is we leave a legacy. I want to believe that for our entire church, that we are going to leave a legacy. Flip over to John chapter 12. I want to show you how the story kind of starts to conclude a little bit. John chapter 12. Let me find it where I've got it. It said, "The, the large crowd of the Jews then learned that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake, but that they also might see Lazarus. Whom he raised from the dead. But the chief priests planned to put Lazarus to death also. Why was that chief priest? Because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and were believing in Jesus. Your life's work can leave a legacy on this earth that will echo in all of eternity. See, when it comes to our Bible, uh, Growth is more about multiplication than addition, right? It's more about multiplication than addition. Let me put that in perspective for you. God wants us to bring a return with him, right? He wants us to bring a return from this earth to heaven when we go. And I haven't been to heaven yet, but I do know this. Whenever you get to the metal detector, right before you're getting ready to go in, they make you empty your pockets. Uh, Pastor, how do you know that? Well, because it says in our Bible to not invest in things that moth and rust destroy, but invest in things of eternal significance. When you get to the big metal detector in heaven and you're getting ready to go through, the only thing that gets to go through with you are the people that you brought. That's the only thing you get to take with you, is who you brought on the journey with you. Man, we love our friends and family, and we're so moved by them, and the thing that hurts them hurts us, like it did Jesus, and we remove obstacles, man, we get them in the church, we get them into God's presence, allow Him to change their life. Their family tree forever changes. You need to understand an invite can change generations. A simple little piece of paper, PC, what do we spend, a cent per invite? I couldn't even tell you. That one cent piece of paper can save somebody's eternity. That's why it matters that we care so much For the people in our lives, y'all. Invites are powerful. Man, sometimes whenever I think about inviting, it kind of reminds me like the first time that I ever came to Radiate Church and Ashley and I ever came. I got, playing music's a part of my life. It's like literally one of the favorite things I've ever, ever done in my entire life. It's opened more doors than I can ever imagine. Um, And so the first day I ever got invited to come to Radiate Church was to play bass on stage. And I knew Pastor Brandon from uh, before planting Radiate Church. And I remember my first day uh, showing up to play bass. I was like, you know what? Pastor Brandon is not the same guy that I remember before. And whatever it is that's happening in his life, I want to experience the same thing for mine. I just remember that. But what happened after that was even funnier. Number one, we were a portable church at the time, and I was like, I ain't helping tear none of this stuff down. <laughs> God gets a laugh, laugh, last laugh, laugh, y'all. I did that for years, all of us did, right? And what's even funnier, Ashley said, too, she was like, there's no way we're going back to church here because all the people are too nice. And I'm tired of them talking to me all the time. And we never went anywhere else after that. We only came here but why is that, man? Because everybody you know that you're going to invite, they're looking for something. Man, I didn't know at a time we were looking for something. We were looking for a place to call home and build a family on, but everybody in your life is looking for something, too. People far from God, they might be like somebody I met in the 830 day. They're like, hey, man, I got a big void right now in my heart, man. I got a huge void, and I'm trying to figure out what that is, right? That's what they're looking for. It's something that kind of completes them, but Man, if you follow Jesus your whole life, you're a silver saint, you've been doing it your whole lifetime. Maybe the thing that you're looking for every time you come to church is just to get to use the gifts God gave you. Like I said, seven people graduated and engaged today. They're gonna use the gifts God gave them for Easter. That's incredible. Yeah, let's celebrate. That's incredible. Man, an invitation can change the world. And so as we begin to kind of land the plane a little bit today. I just want to challenge you, man. Let's walk this thing out together. Y'all, let's let's get involved inviting people far from God. Or maybe people, they just ain't been to church in a while. Can I tell y'all something? Next Sunday will be homecoming. I know multiple people I have been on the phones with that have not been in church in years, and they're coming next Sunday. Next Sunday will be a home. Come on, let's celebrate. Not just for people far from God, but people who really hadn't experienced in a really, really, really long time. Man, let's put in the work, y'all. Let's put in the work of removing stones and inviting our friends and family to church. Man, let's just believe in faith that we can do it. Let's walk it out with the people that we're inviting. Let's leave a legacy. I mean, a legacy that ripples through eternity. Did this message fire you up to bring your friends and family to church? with you next Sunday? Listen, Ashley and I had a conversation in the car. This worked on us before we ever stood on the stage and said it. And we're doing this in our life as well. So we want to let you know that as leadership, we are going ahead of you. We're believing it just for the same. But what I'd love to do right now is just pray. Man, I I don't know who's breaking your heart right now, but God does. I don't know who you're inviting, but God does. I don't know who you need to have a conversation with and squash something before you invite them to church, but God does. And so all I want to do is I just want to pray over that today. I just want to pray over that. Maybe if you're in the room and you're like, I haven't even formally made a decision to follow Jesus, can I just tell you there are people at your campus right now prepared to help lead you in processing that decision. Here in Columbia, we've got a care corner here in Florence. You've got leadership. You've got campus leadership available to pray with you at the end of today's experience. If you're online, there are people in the chat right now that want to help you form a relationship with Jesus. But I want to pray for who you're bringing. And uh, and at the end of that, we're going to watch a short video, and we're going to hear next steps from campus leadership of how we can live this thing out. So I want to invite you just to bow your heads for wherever you're at right now. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Your word is timeless. So, God, if you were moved by the people who moved us 2,000 years ago, I know that you're still the same today. God, I don't know who is on the heart of everybody who's uh, bringing someone to church with them next Sunday or beyond, but but you do. God, you know their situations. You know what has broken them. You know what they're missing. Maybe it's a hug. Maybe it's just you fully in the middle of their life. But God, I just want to pray over each and every physical invitation giving, digital invitation giving, word of mouth, every advertisement, every ad. God, I just want to pray it all points people to you in your story next week. This is not for our glory. It is for yours, God. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. So we want to pray that you move in the lives of the people that move us, and it is in your name.